Hello, and thank you for downloading this episode of My Dad Pod. I'm Dave Berry, and for the past few years, I've enjoyed gathering invaluable dad advice from some very special guests to celebrate all things parenthood. Now, this is a very special edition because this episode was first released around Father's Day, which is Sunday 19th of June 2022. Just in case you're listening to this podcast in the year, I don't know, 2037, probably through a microchip in your brain or something. And so what a good excuse it is to do something special and pay tribute to all the great dads out there. You've been sending me your lovely Father's Day tributes on the socials. I'll be reading those out throughout this episode. But I also wanted to use this time to revisit some of my favourite ever dad pod moments, starting with this from a musician and creator of the award-winning Matilda the Musical. We're talking Mr Tim Minchin. Now, we're all aware of the concept of, of the dad joke. Um, you know, <coughs> obviously, you're a very funny man. Uh, mm. Do Violet and Casper make you laugh? My boy makes me laugh. Right, OK. My, well, what does he do that's oh, particularly funny? It's hard. Casper's a weirdo, man. <laughs> I don't know. He's pretty hard to describe, Casper. He's just... I think he, he really has that thing, which I don't have, which is he's just always looking for the joke in every situation. And it's, it's stupid. He's one of these kids who just wants to be on his iPad all the time. And what he's doing is listening to Dan TDM crack jokes about <laughs> games and looking up memes. And, he, right. and the comedy is just... I find kids are all their whole idea of comedy is quoting memes, you know, and I just want to smack them. But um, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. try going on a world yeah. tour with yeah, that. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you can't just say John Cena really loudly. Um, uh, but yeah, he's a funny boy, and uh, and Violet, Violet can deliver a joke. Um, you know, I. <laughs> I I'm, I don't even know if I'm a comedian particularly. I'm not sure I ever was, but um, I, I certainly self-identify as a musician and I'm not wired to look for the jokes or find my, my children. Like, I don't find my children particularly funny, but they're... Um they're they're ridiculous, yeah. Um, you've got the uh, Casio keyboard in front of you, yeah. There, Tim. Uh, what I'd like to do is, you know, you, you identify as a musician, so so let's put that to the test. I'd like a little trill, a little ditty, if you will, that you think best sonically describes these series of events when it comes to being a dad. And if you could musically oh uh, put "Finding Out You're Going to Be a Father for the First Time." This is just, this is like, this is what I have to do when I'm writing musicals. I'm like, okay, I'm going to represent in sound the feeling of um, finding out you're going to be a father the first time. Well, it depends where you're at, right? Because for me, it was like, it was like, uh, it was resolution, right? Because we had been trying and we'd lost one and, you know, like, it was celebratory. But I think for a lot of men, it's just, you know, (laughs) <laughs> what about the birth of your child? An, uh, a, an amazing moment. In my diary, I keep, a, I keep a diary, a daily diary, and I've left a gap there saying that maybe I should have written it in the moment, but one day I hope to return to this section and fill in exactly how on earth I feel right now because yeah. I don't have the words. Yeah. Well, childbirth, I think, sounds like this. So a kind of year and, and a bit in lockdown as a, as a father to six, um, is that a hindrance when it comes to writing comedy or is it a massive help, Jason? I think so. And I think also having kids reminds you of being a kid and, and reminds you of those stories. And, you know, my kids are always saying, oh, daddy, tell us about a time when, 
you know, you got in trouble or, you know, you tell us about a time that you did something wrong. They love those. They're, the, they're their favorite stories, you know. Right. I go, right, okay, sit down. So once I set fire to my friend's back garden, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and then stole all the neighbor's milk to put it out. Like, that's the stories they want to hear. They're like, and, um, and, and, and it sort of sounds like something from like, uh, you know, from, from the Beano or something. Some of my stories, I'm telling the kids the stories. They sound absolutely comical. Capers. But, it, was, it was capers, yeah. Jason. Yeah. That's what I always say, you know. Like, I always say that to my kids. Like, you know, we grew up on, on quite a, you know, a nice uh, council estate, actually. You know, where it, like there was never going to be any proper crime, but you probably wouldn't leave a freshly baked apple pie on a window ledge. <laughs> like, it's that, never that sort of crime. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Like a Tom and Jerry crime. Yeah, exactly, yeah. It's like, oh, really? You're going to tell me off of this? Um, but uh, so, yeah, I do I do gleam stuff on the kids, but not necessarily. It's, it's a very thin line when it comes to stand-up because you've got to make sure. It's a bit like showing people pictures of your kids. You've got to make sure that this is interesting to everybody, not just you because they're your kids. Because as we know, our kids are always the best. Uh, the yeah. best of the kids and uh, don't necessarily like any others. So you, you've got to, you've got to come up with stuff that is holding a mirror to people. You know, you've got to go, this is a thing that happens with my kids. And then you've got, and it's got to be something that other parents can go, Oh my goodness. Yeah. That that's happened with my kids as well. Or if they've not got kids, Oh, I remember when I was a kid, that's the sort of thing that uh, we would get away with, or we would do, or we would get in trouble for because you know, with stand-up, it's about hitting the biggest demographic as possible when it comes to your story. So they have to be specific to you, but they, they also have to have a bit of, you know, they have to be a bit generic so that people get on board with them and go, okay, I can, I can see what themes you, you're sort of playing with here. And I do tell the kids quite a lot because my, my daughters are getting to an age, they're high school now, they're 11, and on occasion, something will happen. Uh, and as soon as it happens... One of my daughters, mainly my uh, older of the two uh, twins, I know it's about weird, five minutes, but she claims it. Um, but she'd always go, oh, daddy, you're not, that's not going to be in your set now, is it? That, that's not going to be in your company. And I go, yeah, probably. Yeah, probably will be my set. And I'm like, oh, you're joking because like, my friends will sit. Right. I never specify which kid did what. Like I'm always no. really careful when I write my yeah. material that, you know, they don't necessarily know which one is what. Sometimes there's no, there's no getting away from it. But I try and be quite, you know, uh, careful with, with who. And I never name them and stuff like that, you know. Um, but at the same time, you know, I just say to them, they say, oh, do you have to? I say, well, look, if, if you really don't want me to, then obviously I wouldn't. But generally, I only pick sort of soft stuff anyway. Um, but I said, do you, look, do you like your holidays? Do you like holidays? <laughs> She go, yeah. Do you like all your toys and that? Do you like having a bedroom each in this house? They're like, yeah. Those trainers are nice. I said, exactly. Those trainers, right? Live at the Apollo, paid for them. So, Jason Manford, there. It was wonderful having him on, sharing his experience of being a parent to six children. Now. Thank you for sending your Father's Day messages, paying tributes to all those incredible dads out there and sharing some of your favourite memories. We've had so many and I'm going to share a few right now. Adiba Dempster said, My husband is an absolutely amazing dad to his boys. No matter how busy he is, he always has time for his two lads and his adorable Labrador... 
We have so many great memories from him supporting his boys in all of their life choices to enjoying a drink with them. We are privileged to have such a caring man in our lives. Well, thank you very much, Adi, for sharing that. Adiba, thank you to Robert Scott, who said, one of my fondest memories is being taken to Comet in the late 90s so my dad could buy a stereo. After two and a half hours of indecision, where I sat through the entirety of the film Godzilla, he finally picked the one he wanted to begin with. Love you, Pop. Thank you very much indeed, Robert. We've all been there. This came from Joanna Taylor. She says, this is my partner, Ross. I have a picture here on the socials. Hey, Ross. Who took on stepdad duties to my beautiful girls five years ago. He has been the biggest support and rock to them, just to let him know how much we love him. Well, thank you, Joanna. And hello, Ross. Keep up the fantastic parenting work. And thank you for sharing these. More of your Father's Day messages later on in the podcast. But before that, here's one of my favourite dad pod guest the hilarious rob beckett the last time we saw each other my daughter was yet to be born and the reason the dad pod came to fruition really was because i was asking guests on my radio show and listeners alike to give me pieces of dad advice. Yeah, yeah, yeah and yours was a fantastic one and it's so true and i didn't realize how true it would be at the time but take your time in the bathroom <laughs> yeah I mean, I can disappear into the loo for half oh, an hour now. That's how I caught up on Game of Thrones. <laughs> I mean, I got, yeah. you haven't seen it at all. What's that? No, <laughs> you watched all seasons. <laughs> I was very disappointed with the ending. Personally, I had piles, but <laughs> too much sitting down. But, but and also as well, just getting ready—not not just toilet time, but like getting ready because time is so precious, especially when you've got a little baby. And uh, if we were going out for the day, I'd go and get a shower in like eight minutes. I'm done. Yeah. Like, wait, let me air dry and then put a bit of gel in there. I'm done in eight minutes, right? And then, but my wife being there 45 minutes. And then I started growing a beard in my hair long, <laughs> just so I'd have something to do, so I could make the time in there longer. This is really good. Talking about dads and kids' advice, this yes. really think on, on comedians in cars getting coffee. Yes. It's a bit where Kevin Hart's talking to Jerry Seinfeld, and Kevin Hart obviously is worth like nearly billions, right? Yeah. Uh, who have silly amounts of money, and Jerry Seinfeld is well worth four, five hundred million dollars. So Kevin Hart was saying to Jerry, my kids say to me, we're rich, aren't we, Dad? And we were really rich. And Kevin Hart said he gave his daughter a speech. Go, that we have money, but I've worked really hard, and we're rich because we're a close family. That is more, much more important than money, and all this all the classic cliche stuff, right? Trying to take the attention away from the money more that we're rich in family and in love and all stuff like that. And then he went through his big impassioned speech. His daughter went, "Yeah, but we're rich, aren't we? We're really rich." <laughs> and then Jerry Seinfeld says, "He goes, no, he goes, no, I'm rich." <laughs> You're not rich. He goes, but Dad, we play first class. And he goes, yeah, yeah, because you're with me. I'm rich. If you come with me, we go first class. But if you're on your own, you're not rich. I'm rich. Getting the distinction. Yeah, it's important. Benedict Cumberbatch, his piece of dad advice to me was sleep when they sleep. Make sure to build in some napping time mm. to avoid going insane. Yeah. Um, how many nannies did he have? Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to cast aspersions on the name, but Benedict and Cumberbatch, that's two at least, isn't it? <laughs> Pop yeah. them in the East Wing and go for a sleep for 10 hours. <laughs> but he may not have, but yeah, you've got to sleep when they sleep. But it's so erratic, but also you've got to do other stuff in the house and you've got to do a dishwasher, you've got to tie, yeah. you can't just, you know. My wife and um, Evie went away last week and it took me two days of being on yeah. my own in the house before I realised I could turn the TV up over the volume of nine. <laughs> <laughs> And then once I discovered that and I felt like the stabilisers are off, oh, yeah. I went I went feral, I went back in time by about 12 years. And it, this ended, they, they're getting back today, I'm seeing them today. Yeah. Yesterday I ate a pizza in my bed. 
Unbelievable. <laughs> I need the but, back, Rob. <laughs> do you know what, right? I sort of think if Lou left me and took the kids, right? Yeah. Out the house, boom, gone, right? Yeah. Obviously, you're going to be sad at some point, <laughs> probably when the divorce settlement comes through. But you're obviously going to be sad, but that first five days of an empty house. Yeah. And you literally just smashing through your recordings. <laughs> like, I'll be sad that she's gone, but the first five days, yeah. it'll be like the greatest five days of your life. And then, you know, once you've caught up and everything and you've run out of food and it sort of just gets cold and lonely, that's when you sort of, you know, you get sad. But the first five days yeah. of a divorce must be quality. Getting the disc space you know back I mean? up on oh, your sky planet. Deleting it. That's yeah. that. RuPaul's Dragway is gone. Gone. Wallop. See you later. Eight episodes of this. Gone. Oh. So, Rob, let me ask you this. Yeah. It's 15 years from now. Okay. And you two girls listen to this podcast back. Yes. What would you like to say to them? At 15, you are not going out like that. <laughs> Whatever they're wearing. <laughs> you, you are not wearing that. You're not allowed outside. Even, so they, no. they're going to be in there Tuesdays, seven days a week. Tuesdays, seven <laughs> days a week. No, I'm not being silly. Um, what would I say to them? Um, do you know what? I'm very keen not to be that preachy dad. And because, you know, I've come from a bit of a different background, I don't want to be that going, well, when I grow up, I had this. Or when your nan and granddad had this. But no, I don't want to be too preachy. But hopefully what I'm going to do is, if I'm a good enough dad, I shouldn't have to give them too much advice at 15. And hopefully they'll be making the right decisions. But um, I will be there looming over them to tell them they are doing it wrong, though. <laughs> I can't help it. I talk too much. Um, I'm, I'm going to try, but I'll be just biting my lip. Just like, no. You've got to, I think you've got to learn for yourself. You cannot be told. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like... Obviously, I don't get in a car with a stranger. We've, <laughs> we've, talk, we've touched on ones. that before, yeah, the on the show. I'm going to try and give them the best building blocks and try and be as normal as possible and a nice life so that when they do get to those formative years, they're in a position that they don't need me on their case and they're already making those right decisions. So I think if I put in the graph now, by then, they hopefully will be making the right decisions. So effectively, God, your kids us. hear this back in 15 years' time. You don't have anything to say to them because you've already raised them perfectly. Yeah, basically, I've done my work. Like the tour, I've done me prep. You get on with it. Get out of my house and earn a living. That's my message. If 15, you, need to, you're, you are getting a job at 16 or you get nothing. Yeah? Now, as some of you may know, I do the breakfast show on Absolute Radio between 6am and 10am. And that means, amongst other things, spending every single weekday morning with a man I class as a friend a co-host and someone who happens to be a father of three, it's Matt Dyson. And as this is the special Father's Day edition of my dad pod, I've decided to chat to him about his experience of parenthood. I thought you'd never ask. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't going to, but it was the puppy dog eyes, I just thought... And on this special day, what a a day to do it. Every Father's Day, I have a a Chinese. We go out for a Chinese because... Oh, is that your treat? Katie and the kids, they love Indian food, and we eat Indian food a lot, and and they're not that into Chinese, so I always say, right, it's my call. For one day of the year, we go to a Chinese. Well, that's interesting, because I suppose there'll be people, like I suppose with birthdays, there'll be some people who have like a birthday week, and there'll be other people who just don't want to talk about it so do you do you remind them that you know this coming sunday is father's date so it's therefore we're going to have a massive chinese banquet effectively 100 percent. yeah and i'll eat all the leftovers the next day as well obviously (laughs) little special treat but i mean it's it's like they do like (laughs) chinese food but they just they like to have gaps in between they don't want to go back to it so often so yeah i think it's the one day where i get to make the call i get to have a lie-in breakfast in bed you know all of that Oh, so there, there are other luxuries involved. Yes, in, yeah, yeah. I hadn't really thought because I've only been a father. I've only celebrated Father's Day three times because mm, Evie's three. Yeah. But I really need to ramp up my my game. Well, yeah, you make ramp up your demands. Yeah, cause, yeah. Well, I make breakfast in bed for my wife pretty much every single weekend. So it's like it's nice to have the tables turned. 
Um, so, for those who don't know, um, tell everybody, you know, who makes up the family? What, well, who are your three kids? Bess is ten now, and she uh, she is uh, very over any sort of dad joke. She just constantly cringes at me. That She's in a constant state of cringe and mockery at everything I say. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but, but she's very, she's great. Uh, she's, she's, a, she's a sweet she's child. She's very intelligent. Yeah. She's very, uh, very funny. She's, uh, she's perfect. And then there's Maggie, who's eight and a half. Uh, she is quite feisty, a bit more feisty, uh, can, can be quite angry. Right. <laughs> but okay. she's great. She's great. She's amazing. Absolutely. Another sweet-natured child. I've always sweet found them to be. Yeah. Oh, they, obviously, cute. they save the best stuff for Dad. Un- Unky Dave just gets the good side. And she's side. still in that cuteness zone. She's not become cynical like Bessa. She's still cute. I still find her amazingly cute every single day, which is nice. And she does this thing where, because um, I go to bed early at night, sometimes I go to bed before her now. And I, <laughs> and I, oh, and I, that's good. And she, always says, oh. she always says, when she goes to bed, come and tuck me in. And I go up and tuck her really tight and oh, tuck the duvet oh. around her. And, and sometimes now I get to bed and say, Maggie, can you come and tuck me in? <laughs> I love it. I love being tucked in by my daughter. She comes and really crams the duvet around me. And then it's, it's a lovely way to get to sleep. Anyway, then there's Ted, who's three and a half now. Yeah, so uh, he, he's, uh, like, he's a month... Um, Younger than Evie, isn't he? Yeah, so we, yeah. your third yeah, child and my ages. first yeah. came along at, at the yeah, same time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he is—he's uh, also very cute. He's very good. For, he does like little impressions and stuff. Now, uh, somebody, did somebody say just eat? He completes that <laughs> popular catchphrase. He's well into cars at the moment. So every time we walk to do the school pickup, he's like pointing out the different cars. So many Ford Focuses in the world. I didn't realise or how many Fiat Pandas there are. He absolutely. But now your three and a half year old son's. Putting them out to I'm you. I'm seeing you're, them you're everywhere. Aware. Yeah, oh, you're and he aware. lets me know. He's also obsessed with the local taxi company, 24 7 taxis, and every time he sees one, he goes, Oh, I need to get one of them for my birthday. <laughs> so on his birthday, he wants to do 24 7. Uh, 24, no, a whole week, 24-7, in a 24-7 taxi. Wow. For his birthday week. That's his, he wants to ride in a cab yeah, for his yeah, fourth birthday. It. And then he wants to drive when he's older. But Yeah, I think with the third, you get more and more relaxed as time goes by. Okay. Because your first child, you're always like, oh no, is she walking? Is she eating yet? You know, and all the stuff you've got to keep up with. All the all the, the usual pressures that all parents the, but feel. But you've got to, you feel a need to keep up with the other people in the NCT group and stuff mm. like that. But as you get older, you're like, you know, he'll potty train when he's ready he will ride his scooter when he gets round to it there's no rush we can take our time so are you enjoying being a parent to, to not that you would enjoy being a parent to, to Bess or Maggie in a different way but are you enjoying being a parent to Ted yeah. more because you've yeah. already done the, the two girls yeah, are, are done they're older you've been through this before yeah we've done all the problems that may arise so we're over all that so it's more relaxed for everyone uh, but I mean there are still issues obviously but it's we're more relaxed about it oh you want to watch a bit more TV do you Ted great fine go for it well, I must say, Matt, and I hope you don't mind me, I don't want to embarrass you here on the Dad Pod, but you are obviously the person I have gone to the most for dad advice when mm. I was... It's, and you're one of the inspirations why I started this whole podcast in, in the first place was because I knew there would be uh, mums and dads and parents and guardians out there who were, you know, feeling frightened and scared about yeah, embarking well, on their parenting is. journey. But you've always been such a, a calming voice and well, it's always been about so, en- enjoying it. And you and, and obviously Katie's a fantastic mum, but you are a brilliant dad and you're always doing things with the kids, you're always doing activities, you're always playing with them, you're always, you know, just 
overjoyed to be spending time with them, mm. and that's just such a lovely thing. Well, that's it, yeah. And it doesn't last very long, so you've got to enjoy it, haven't you? You've got to enjoy it. But, I mean, I think the main thing I've learnt is how to deal with a tantrum. I oh, wow, that's a massive piece of I dad advice. To, okay. I would always butt up against it. I'd go, well, wh- why are you acting? Why are you acting up? What's your problem in the supermarket? Like Robert De Niro. You're like, what are you doing? You're talking <laughs> to me. You're talking <laughs> to me. No, Dad, I'm nine. No, Leave me I alone. Because I was stressed doing something, and then they'd yeah. be like, why are you doing this now? What, what's wrong with you? That sort of stuff. Whereas if... Uh, Kate, and Katie had always said to me, don't react like that. Don't join in with them. Just like don't join just lean them, yeah. in, don't butt against it. Lean into the tension. Just go. Come here. All they want is a cuddle. They just want to go. Come here. It's okay because uh, they're being unreasonable. I put milk on Ted's cereal and he wanted it dry. It's a ridiculous thing to go mad about, but it doesn't matter. Ted, come here. Just come and give me a cuddle. It's fine. I'll go and get another bowl of cereal. You can have it dry. Okay. Just leaning into the tantrum. Nice. Cuddle it out. Be nice, and then they'll move on quicker than if you butt against it like I always used to do. Fantastic dad advice. It was never in doubt you'd be giving just that here on the Dad Pod. Uh, Matt, finally, um, the trickiest question, but one I asked to all my guests, and mm. technically you are that now. Yeah. Um, do you have a favourite child? <laughs> you don't have to name them. No, of course. I mean, I think, you know, I'm proud of them all in different ways, but uh, and it's, it sort of changes every day. Which one kicks off the least with me? Is that the that's the favourite of the day generally? But um, but yeah. you got to factor so in the fact it's that cyclical the, in a way. <laughs> the, the, the Bess is now being sarcastic and rolling yeah. her eyes at you, and Ted just wants to go in a mini cab for his fourth birthday. Exactly, it's yeah. Probably Ted's your favourite at the moment. <laughs> right? No, but then you know, yeah, they all have their issues that make your life a bit more stressful. Yeah, but that gets easier as they're older, I suppose. But no, I mean, I could never pick a favourite, and, and as a as a. Uh, having come from a family with three uh, boys in it, so as one of three siblings, I know that the main one of the main things that always crops up is, oh, he's the favourite. Oh, you love him more than me. Oh, he's got more food than me. Always. Is that what you were like as a child? Yeah, just like, constantly yeah. saying that about constantly, George. Yeah. And he was the same. He was worse. <laughs> George was my oldest brother. And it's just like you can't ever give any inkling of favouritism. You have to be completely neutral at all times. Um, Matt, it's been a pleasure having you on this special edition of the Dad Pod. Thank you for some excellent dad advice and thank you for taking the time to talk to us. Really do appreciate it. A pleasure. Uh, Matt Dyson will be back alongside me on The Breakfast Show on Absolute Radio and on Saturdays during the footballing season. You can see him alongside comedian extraordinaire Matt Ford on the always brilliant, the legendary rock and roll football. Thanks, Matt. Uh, It is time now for more of your Father's Day messages and this one came in from Alan Sloman and he says, I lost my dad in 2014. He was actually my stepdad. He gave me so many of my passions, including music, cars, the mighty Coventry City and as a kid he indulged my obsession with Ghostbusters. He always believed in me. Big shout out to all the stepdads being awesome and being true role models. He taught me to drive, took me to my first football match and much, much more. I was so lucky to have him in my life. Well, thank you very much indeed for sharing that, Alan. And as I say, there'll be more of those on the way throughout this special episode of The Dad Pod. Where right now, it is time for some more of my favourite moments. And this came from chatting to the brilliant Chris and Rosie Ramsey. You know, Rafe is blissfully unaware at this stage of his, of his little life, bless his cotton socks. And Robin is, is still very young. But I wondered if, if he started to cotton on to, to how central himself and his brother are to, to this hugely successful podcast. Are you fearing that he's going to knock on the door and ask for his cut of the world's biggest podcast tour? Oh, you know, are, are we getting to that point? 
Is he getting, is he aware that, I mean, obviously you would govern this as parents. Of course you would. But are you feeling that there's going to be a point where he's like, please don't mention that on the podcast, mum and dad? We, we talked about this before, haven't we? Mm. We try to be really conscious of mm. what we're seeing. And I think they're still both young enough. What's, oh, it was the baby's crying. I'm sorry. Baby's crying right now. He's probably heard that we're talking about him. I'm not with him. I'm not just stuck with you. Oh, <laughs> yeah. No. Oh, no. My mum's here. That's that sorted. Don't worry about <laughs> that. He's gone. Oh. Yes. The baby's crying. I'll just push him further into the garden. <laughs> like, her mum's got him. Get him to a podcast here. Keep it down. <laughs> Do you want any food, Ray? <laughs> um, no, we, we, the yes. older they get, the more aware that we're going to have to become. But growing up, I had my dad was like the most embarrassing dad in the world. Yeah. And I just kind of think I survived. Yeah, it wasn't on an international scale, though, was it? Uh, it's very much, it was just kind of... It, it wasn't live at the O2. <laughs> I think the yeah. we've always said, especially with Instagram and stuff, Rosie's always said that the minute he goes, I don't want to be on there, he's gone, he, he, yeah. you know, as soon as the goal... You know, well, he, he loves it. He's a proper performer. He absolutely love loves it. it. so funny. Mm-hmm. And he, he, want, he asks to do video. We make videos together, me and Robin, and I've got to edit them together. And it's just me getting in the bed, pretending to yawn, and then I've got to go to another room. And he's like, it's very strange. But I don't know, we'll play it by you. And we'll just see. Yeah. Robin's, yeah, he's, 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 he's a born performer. We'll see. We'll, we'll both be very surprised if he doesn't end up doing something along these lines. He already says he wants to be a comedian. He doesn't really understand what a comedian is, but he wants to be a comedian. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's, it's interesting you say that because I asked this of kind of all my guests about the idea of the dad joke, but we kind of turn that around and do your kids make you laugh. And obviously what's really nice is you're both very funny people, but what I particularly love about your podcast is the fact you make one another laugh. And that's always, that's always really nice to hear, I think. You know, I take something from that. So, so you've mentioned Robin there. He's a natural-born performer. What, what, is his, what is his style of humour? I know he doesn't understand what being a, a comic is, but... You know, in your expert opinion, where is he going? Is he surrealist? Is he satirical? <laughs> you know, what's, what's he like? And you, I mean, I've, Dave, I've been asked to write some Edinburgh blurbs quite far in advance, but are you asking me to write my son's Edinburgh blurb I think for his first Edinburgh festival? He's saying, is he going to be on Celebrity Juice or have I got news? Yeah, yeah, it's going to be QI, yeah, QI on Celebrity Juice. He's, he's be- I think he's very, like, sketchy. What's so what We should know this, really. He's kind of like so he, physical. Yeah, he's, he's a clown. He's a class clown. He'll throw around. If he's trying to make a baby laugh, he's all over the place, uh, jumping around with being silly and and just silliness. To be fair, but he's also very. He can be quite sorty and quick witted. So the other day, I um I just finished. I, I eat I eat quite fast, and it okay. always ends up quite a lot of wind. And I had a curry the other night, and I was sort of best way. I can't really describe this. If you know us, you'll understand. But I was loading up a burp. So I go like, and I load it up, and I'll like that. I get the burp one. That was a fake one. I wouldn't do it live on here, but I went like that. And as I'm starting the burp, Robin asked us a question. He went, "Daddy, come and play hide and seek." I went, and I had to finish a burp before I could speak. So he went, "Daddy, come and play hide and seek," and I went, and he went, "Is that a yes?" I was like, I was like, where have you got that from? So quick, he didn't miss a beat.
So in your corner, you figuratively and literally have got your own dad. It must be so lovely to have shared the successes that you've enjoyed and the things that you've overcome, which you do to discuss in the book with him, with your, your own dad. And has there been advice that he's given you over the years as a father that you have passed on, on to your children? Does anything spring to mind? You know, I've me dad around all the time. Mm-hmm. It helps me in camp because I never had me dad for a long period in my life. At the early career, my dad was uh, a way out in my life for like five years. So when I, when I really needed him and when I was struggling coming up in the, in the game, it wasn't there. So now he's around a lot more. He spends a lot more time here in camps and he, he, he's making up for lost time that he, he lost. So what do I, I teach that my dad has taught me? Like, yeah, my dad, my dad has had a lot to do with the, with the man I am, like being able to stand on my own two feet and that sort of thing. And, and he, he's taught me that. My dad said to me a long time ago when I was a kid, he said, if you, if you want something, son, it's a big world out, go and get it. Nothing's unachievable. Everything's just there if you work hard enough. And that's what I'll instill into my kids as well. It's like, as a father, you just, life changes when you become a, become a father. It's like, you don't think about you anymore. It's about the kids and what's best for them. And I've got five young kids and it's like, what's going what's gonna to happen in their lives and how are they going to get on? And I think the, the most important thing to me would be for my kids to, to have a happy life. You know, whatever they do, whether they're doing a, uh, a nine-to-five job working in Tesco's or whether they're a brain surgeon, I say enjoy it and make the most of it because you've only got one life and if you're stuck in, in something that you, you can't stand to do, then you need to make a change and that change should be today. Well, well said, Tyson, absolutely. Uh, how would you feel about your kids following in your footsteps into the world of boxing? Is that something you would encourage? And obviously you are very well placed as the champ to, to give them any tips that they need or, or have you seen enough of this world from the grassroots up to to feel it's best that they stay away? No, I think it's inevitable. My uh, sons are probably will box 100 million percent. Um, I think it's a good grounding for, for kids. It, it teaches them manners and teaches them respect. It teaches them to respect other people's property. It teaches them how to conduct. Because in the gym, in a boxing club, you got young boys and girls in there. And the difference in kids that go in a boxing club and kids that are hanging around on the streets mm. is, is a goal for difference, you know. You get the kids in boxing gyms, they're never cheeky, they're never rude, this, that, because they know in a boxing gym, you get punched in the face for that. And there's, there's no like 10 on one fights and stuff like that in a boxing gym. You get taught how to be fair and square and, and how to conduct and be, be a proper person, I'd say. I think, it's, I think it's very vital. And even if my kids didn't go on to be professionals or whatever, then I'd still love them to do some type of combat sport because I, I think it really does keep discipline and respect. Okay, you know, that's, that's good to hear. And as you say that so many stories you hear from professional fighters and boxers, it was almost a choice between hanging out on the street corner with the wrong kind of crowd or getting into that gym and, and the success stories, however big, not maybe as successful as yourself, Tyson, but, but it has helped give them the right pathway in, in life. So that's important to hear that from you, I think. Yeah, I think all sports, not just boxing or combat sports, all sports change lives. You know, we've seen during the first lockdown, when there was no sports happening and, and how, how boring our lives become without the sports. And I was itching for any type of live sports come back. I'm like, what's on? I'm going to just watch anything. <laughs> and now the football's back on. It's like, oh, thank God for that. <laughs> and you like boxing events on and stuff. It's been, it's been a game changer to me and my, uh, my life, that's for sure. 
the heavyweight champ Tyson Fury there. What an honour it was to chat to him about parenthood whilst he was at one of his training camps. Uh, it is time now for more of your messages. And thank you very much indeed to Laurie Cox, who got in touch with this. She says, Dave, my boy's dad has to be up there as a top daddy. He's always been there throughout illnesses and our eldest's many operations who has talapese. Since day one, he's been present with both of our boys. He shows up, he does what he needs to do for his kids, not because he has to, but because he wants to. Calm in a crisis, patient with tantrums, knowledgeable, kind, caring, enormous fun and funny. And all these things aside, he's a fantastic dad to his boys, even if he doesn't realise it at times. Well, Laurie, thank you very much indeed for sharing that message. I hope he realises it now. So it is time for another best bit. And a few years ago, I had the pleasure of speaking to Chris Kamara, not only about being a parent, but about being a grandparent. Here's Cammy. I'm brand new to parenting and you've got more experience than me when it, when it comes to that and probably many other things as well. How did you find navigating your way through parenthood during your footballing career with the, the home and away? And we just touched on Christmas Day and the way you would make that work. Was it partly trial and error or was it the strength of your partner being able to lean on her? Yeah. And yeah. Is that, That's become a big theme here on the Dad Pod. People yeah, mentioning it, that. it is. I have to say my wife probably brought the kids up. You know, I was there, but I'm not like my two sons are with their kids. They're different, you know, they do the cooking, they do the cleaning, they help as much as they possibly can in the looking after the little ones in terms of taking them out on their own, you know, whereas when we went out, we went out as a family, you know, so we'd all go out together. Whereas my wife would, you know, would soldier on and do the things. That's the way I was brought up. I tried my best, obviously, of course you do, and because of the fact that you're away from home two or three times a week, you, d you don't get as much time to spend with the kids. But when I see my two boys now, I wish that I had as much time with my grandkids. I have more time for my grandkids now when I'm at home. We spend the whole day with them and we look after them and take them and they can stay over whenever they want. Um, but, yeah, it's certainly a different world to when I was... A dad back yeah. in the day. There's a generational mm. thing here. I think mm. a lot of the dads, and we've had um, Emma Willis, a mum on here, who have spoken about the involvement that that you're fortunate to have in certain jobs. You're you're able to be because I do a breakfast show. I'm able to be with Evangeline throughout the day, which is really mm. nice. And and you know, and I love that. There's other jobs, of course, where you kind of miss out on those years. Mm. And there's some and some people are very rueful about that. So that's why it's great to have the grandkids. Yeah. Because just looking at my dad, what he's like with his grandkids, oh. mum and dad, it's like they get them, they get all the fun. It's brilliant. And it's a whole new world. Back, as the old saying goes. To be honest, we don't want to give our grandkids back, but it, <laughs> it is a whole new world, yeah. and, and it's brought me and my wife closer, which is brilliant, because all you want to do, you just live for that phone call from either one of your sons to say, oh, will you have Connie today? Will you have Solomon? You know, and it's like, yeah, of course we will. You know, drop everything. It doesn't matter. Whatever we've got planned, you know, we'll have them. Um, <laughs> how old are your grandchildren? Uh, well, Solomon's just over two. Right. Connie will be two in February, and Billy is nine weeks old. Oh, She's congratulations, Cammy. Yeah, I know, Billy. three. <laughs> A new addition, that's so lovely. I was going to ask, because I was uncertain of their ages, that, you know, how they react when they see they see Grandad on TV. Is that something that they've Solomon's taken Solomon's just on? getting used to it. Okay, yeah, and yeah. what's his reaction to it? Is uh, he like pointing at you, pointing at the screen? Yeah, yeah. well, he's, he's amazing, because um, every time you get a camera out now, 
he gets ready to pose because <laughs> if we walk in the streets of Leeds or in Wakefield or whatever, everybody stops you for a selfie, doesn't he? So he's been watching and watching and wondering probably why are why are people asking you, Grandad, for a picture? But he's no, you know, obviously he's too young to say anything. He's just over two. Because sure, I'm a legend. Is that what you want? Yeah. <laughs> but as soon as anybody gets a camera out now, he just gets ready to pose oh. like his granddad. <laughs> it's incredible. That's lovely. Steve, I wanted to ask you a, a question that, when I wrote this question to ask you, it was kind of supposed to be a, a, a bit of fun. But but now speaking to you actually has a, a much more serious edge to it. And what you do with you know scaling kind of sheer mountain faces and being around you know the world's most deadliest animals and some of the positions you put yourself in and as you've just said as well maybe with access to a satellite phone every now and again when you became a father for the first time did your attitude towards putting yourself in those kind of situations change does some does something else click in the back of the head or are you able to very much have a distinction between being daddy and being being Steve, the, the kind of action man? That's a really good question. Um, I underestimated how much it would change me. Um, I have a lot of friends who, um, when they became dads, you know, would kind of uh, confide in you over a pint and go, yeah, I, actually, I, I'm not that, not that bothered. I mean, all it does is kind of, you know, fart and poo and vomit and and they didn't really get fatherhood until quite a way down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the lightning bolt. Like, it, it was instantaneous. This is what my life is for. This is the thing that I've been searching for all those years. This is my purpose. This is my meaning of life. And, yeah, it, it totally instantly changed my, um, my perspective on risk, my perspective on what I do for a living. I would have been fully prepared to give up my job that day there and then but i had these big projects that i was committed to that you know you've got 30 40 other people who are working on them they're you know a whole company that is relying on you being able to fulfill those obligations and then again you know this year i was fully ready to jack it all in and do something else and then you know everything everything changes and you don't have that the the opportunity of making a massive change in life because you've got three kids and you're in a global pandemic and it's the last time you need to be taking any massive gambles yeah so i find myself still doing this job every time i go away thinking i really don't want to be taking these risks i'm a dad now Mm. you know there there is there is much more behind it than there ever was and all i can do is just rationalize every one of those risks as much as I can, make sure we're as prepared as we possibly can be. And, and just always be thinking, you you know, at the end of the day, it's only an expedition. You've got to, you've got to come home from that expedition. That is the number one objective here. It's, it's not to be the first to the summit of a mountain. It's making sure that you come home at the end of that. And I'm really surprised by how much it's, how much it's changed me, how, how homesick I get. I've never got homesick before and now I get miserable homesick. Um, but that's a good thing because I kind of feel like, you know, I've, I've been quite a searcher. I've been kind of looking for a, a meaning of life for more than 40 years. And I found that and I, and I now know what it is that, you know, makes me feel fulfilled and makes me feel happy. It's my, it's my kids and being a dad and, making sure that I do the best job of that possible is, is why I'm here. 
Well, that's just lovely, Stephen. I mean, I've seen you searching for your purpose in life by putting your fingers into the mouth of a piranha. So I'm pleased you finally found it, man. <laughs> that was that was not intentional. I've got all these little scabs and scars all over my hand. From, from, and I've just tried to put my finger into somebody's mouth and see what happens. Real life action man, Steve Backshall there. It was a pleasure having him on the dad pod. And don't forget, if you enjoyed these best bits as we celebrate Father's Day and you haven't listened to those episodes in full you can do by downloading as many episodes as you like of My Dad Pod. They're available wherever you get your podcasts. So we've heard my many brilliant guests talking about parenthood and I wanted to finish by taking the opportunity to pay tribute to my own dad, Bob. Uh, We were sat recently having a drink, chatting away. We were talking about the cost of living crisis and we started talking about people not being able to pay the utility bills. And he told me a story, which I wrote down and I'd like to share with you all right now. He told me, Utility costs continuing to rise takes me back to 1974 when I was serving my apprenticeship at Thames Water. The policy then was to turn off a person's supply if they failed to pay their bill. One rainy evening, I had drawn the short straw and was made to carry out this unenviable task. Accompanying me was a lovely man named Les. Les was a seasoned waterboard pro, whose role it was to hold my hand throughout this whole awful process. Unfortunately, also along for the ride was a nasty piece of work clutching a clipboard. His beady eyes staring out from behind spectacles, he delighted in ticking people off his list. I knocked on the door and we came face to face with a small silver-haired lady looking concerned. We explained our purpose whilst Clipboard stood watching from the road. Les handled the situation with great tact whilst I just nodded along with a sympathetic smile on my face. In hindsight, it probably would have made things a whole lot easier had she told us where to go and just slam the door in our faces. Instead, she told us how money had been tight recently, but that she understood why we had to do it, saying, now don't you worry about me, boys. I know you're only doing your jobs. You go right ahead. Les took a deep breath and gave me a conspiratorial look. We went to work, going through the motions of turning off her running water, only this time, with each twist of our tools, puffed out cheeks and loud grunts, we were secretly leaving everything exactly as it was. Sure, we knew this would be discovered at some stage, but what the hell, we were giving her some extra time. Clipboard marked it off and began his triumphant march back towards the van. As Les and I turned towards the gate, we suddenly heard her shouting, I think you should know that I just tried my tap and the water is working fine. I don't think you boys have done it right. Open-mouthed, we gestured for her to go back inside and with our hearts racing, we slowly turned our heads towards clipboard. Luckily, he had already sat in the van running a finger over his beloved paperwork. As we drove away, I glimpsed her filling her kettle through the kitchen window. Clipboard asked me what I was smiling at. Oh, nothing, I said. So there we go, a little tribute to my dad, Bob. Uh, Once again, thank you for all of your lovely Father's Day messages. I hope you all made the time to appreciate not just all the fathers, but of course the mums out there as well. I'll be back very soon with another famous face talking all things parenthood. Until then, thanks again for listening.